High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Uh, Go ahead and turn your Bibles uh, tonight to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to be continuing the series that we started several weeks ago, actually at the uh, the first Sunday of January, we started a, a series on foundations. How many of you know it's important to have a good foundation? Uh, you know, I found in, um, of course, I've been saved about my whole life. I've been in ministry now for over 42 years, and I have found over and over to be true, to bear out to be the truth, that where people usually miss it is they miss it in the foundational uh, elements. Uh, I don't know how many men watch uh, any football, but uh, if you ever watched a football game and during the football game and you just say they are just missing it in basic fundamental football. They're just not doing the fundamentals right. They're not tackling right. Uh, And so whenever, as a result of them missing out on the fundamentals and not doing the fundamentals correctly, they end up losing the game. It wasn't because they were bad athletes. It wasn't because they lacked talent. It's just because they were not executing just the fundamentals. And what I found many times is that Christians don't have a really good foundation. Many Christians, I would say specifically even more so in the sometimes the Pentecostal community, charismatic, prophetic community. We have people that get saved and they get exposed very quickly to the, the move of the Holy Spirit. They get filled with the Holy Spirit and they They see things happening and there's prophecy and things like that, but many times they seem to miss out on some of the basic fundamentals. Now, I will say this, these these are things that we teach on a regular basis. However, what I see is people sometimes forget about those fundamentals and they have to be reminded of those once again. Because I will tell you this, if you don't have a good foundation, your building is not going to stand. If you don't have a strong foundation, whenever the winds blow, the building is going to topple over. If you don't have a good foundation, anything is going to actually end up bringing destruction to the edifice that you are attempting to erect. So it's very important that we have a very strong foundation. You know, I'm really thankful that whenever I, you know, uh, I grew up in a Christian home, my mom and dad are here. And one of the things that I was always in church and, but there's only so much that you can actually learn at church. Does everybody understand that? You've got this much time during a week when you really think about it, think about this. Most of the time we have an hour and a half, maybe on Sunday morning and an hour and a half on Wednesday That's three hours of a week. I mean, that's a very small portion of the week. And and so you have that much time. Think about this. Kids go to school six hours a day, five days a week. They're going to school 30 hours a week. And it's hard sometimes for teachers, and the teachers can say amen to this, just to get basic principles in them being in school 30 hours. Well, you can imagine we got three hours at maximum most of the time a week to actually impart truth to people. And unfortunately, of course, the average believer in America right now 
goes to church only twice a month, maximum twice a month. That's the average believer. So that means you have six hours a month, I mean, excuse me, three hours a month for the average believer. And then we wonder why there's biblical ignorance throughout the body of Christ. It's because people aren't in church and they're not reading their Bibles, they're not studying their Bibles. Now, I was fortunate, not only did we in church every time the doors were open, and I thank God for that, praise the Lord. It was something that was instilled in me as a child. You know what? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, amen? Sunday morning, the doors are open, we're going. Sunday night, the doors are open, we're going. Wednesday night, the doors are open, we're going. By the way, they're having youth service also. The doors are open, and you are going, okay? So, we, I mean, I was brought up going to church, and every opportunity, whenever the doors are open, you could guarantee one thing, I'm going to be there. And when I got old enough to drive, my mom and dad never had to tell me, now, son, you need to get up and go to church. They're right there, and they can verify that. They never had to tell me to get up and go to church, never had to beg me to go to church, didn't have to bribe me to go to church. I knew the importance of that. And then whenever I was real young, I grew up, I, they, I was actually, uh, they put me in a, a Christian school where we had a Bible class every single day. So every day there was one hour of our day where we were learning the Bible. And I, I thank God for that foundation. And I was in a private school till I was in sixth grade, actually almost in the seventh grade. The last quarter of my sixth grade year, we went into a public school and I was there till I graduated. But the, but the reality is it was a biblical foundation that was placed on the inside of me. Well, I believe that part of the strength, please hear, and I'm not saying this to beat myself on the chest, but part of the strength that I have spiritually today is because there was a strong foundation that was built into me whenever I was young. When I was young, you know, if you want to know part of the reason that Pastor Joshua can get up here and articulate the Bible and the Word of God in the way that he can and preach under the anointing of God, it wasn't just because something all of a sudden hit him one day. Let me tell you what happened. He traveled with us wherever we went. He was always in church. He was always on the front row. Whenever he was two years old, he was sitting there on the front row listening to ministers. As a matter of fact, I could call some names of some of the ministers, famous ministers that he sat and listened to, not just two when we was four and five, six, eight, ten, and got to hear powerful men of God, and he was taught the word of God. He listened to every single, I don't know if anybody remembers Willie George and Gospel Bill. Does anybody, anybody know who I'm talking about, Willie George, Gospel Bill? Anybody remember the Gospel Bill show? You know what? We had every Gospel Bill show that was made, and uh, we even had the teacher's uh, uh, roundup thing that they did. You know what? He had listened to every single one of them. He, we had a little chair. I'm going to go back here in history and um, give a little bit of his story. But when he was two years old, I remember we got this little fold-out chair. I mean, it was just, it was for his birthday, and it was red in color. And, uh, and anyway, what's that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Our pastor actually bought it for him. And uh, he was able to actually just unfold it. And he would sit, he would take that chair, he'd put it right in front of the TV, and he would go get a gospel bill tape, and he would put the tape in and get the remote control and actually push the buttons. It's amazing how smart kids are at two years old. They know, you know what? He'd watch gospel bill. I am not exaggerating. He would watch gospel bill all day long. Word. Word. Word, word, word. You know what we have now? 
social media, Facebook. Oh, thank you for that overwhelming response. And that's what kids get consumed with today. And that's, you, if you want to make a difference in your child's life, make sure they're getting the word every single day. Don't just depend on what they get here. You know what? You as a parent, you get up and say, we're going to have a Bible study right now. And open the word up and begin to study the word. Amen. Well, that's free. I knew everybody would get really excited about that. Are you in Hebrews chapter 6? We've got to have a strong foundation. Hebrews chapter 6, we'll start with verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. And again, most people just don't, they don't have the elementary principles correct. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Pastor Joshua preached on this last week. If you weren't here, you need to get the, uh, I don't know how we uh, are able to export that. Staff, does anybody know? Do you know Steve? Okay, you need to find out. Nonetheless, somebody needs to find out. It's on podcast. Okay, our podcast, which is what? High Praise Podcast. Anyway, wherever that's located at, get the High Praise Podcast. I'm going somewhere with this. You need to hear what he preached. You need to hear what he taught. Powerful, powerful word. And he talked about repentance. You know, repentance is something that you need to do on a regular basis. You need to live a lifestyle of repentance. It is a foundational doctrine. It is a foundation, elementary principle. You know what? People that are always justifying themselves, it's because they're not living a a lifestyle of repentance. If they're always finding an excuse for doing what is wrong, and if they go around and say, I've never done anything wrong, I'm telling you what, they didn't get the very first principle correct. Because as a matter of fact, you can't even get saved without repentance. It's impossible to get saved without repentance. And so repentance from dead works is the first thing, and he preached a powerful message about that. The second thing is this, and a faith towards God. We're going to talk about faith towards God tonight. It goes on to say the doctrine of baptisms. I taught on that, of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permits. So it's important that we have a very, very strong foundation. Again, tonight we want to talk about the doctrine of having faith towards God and how important this is. Now, you have to understand context whenever you read the Bible. You have to understand the context in which it was written. You have to understand historically what was going on. And when you don't understand totally historically, then you're going to miss some things that actually the writer is attempting to communicate. But in the early church, there was a great debate over grace versus the law. And there were two extremes that were going on within the church. There was extremes in the area of grace that were taking place. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And then there was extremes in the, uh, in the area of still adher- adhering to Mosaic law that some were actually preaching and teaching. Many believed that in order for someone to be saved, they had to not only believe, but they also had to fulfill the law concerning circumcision and other things that were pertinent to uh, uh, Mosaic law. And again, Paul addressed all of that when he was writing to the church at Galatia. And he talked specifically how and said that uh, circumcision avails absolutely nothing. And uh, how many of you know that we are spiritually circumcised whenever we make Jesus Lord of our lives? Amen? So it's not natural circumcision. It's a spiritual circumcision that is necessary. Now, there are other people that believe that no works or even proper behavior 
were necessary to be saved nor to live as a Christian. In other words, you're saved by faith and grace and it doesn't matter what you do and how you live from that point on. Many times we referred to that as greasy grace. And I want everybody to understand grace is not greasy. But the way that some people have taken a message of grace, it has become a greasy lifestyle. Do everybody understand what I'm saying? How I many know grace, hear this, grace doesn't give you the right to do whatever you want to do and live however you want to live. Grace comes to empower you to live above sin. Grace empowers you to live right. Grace empowers you to live holy. Amen. Grace is not the big cover up. No, hallelujah. Grace is that which empowers you to live right before the Lord. Amen. So it's his power that begins to work within us. Now, this whole teaching that many or some, I would say, they believe that no works or proper behavior were necessary to be saved. It led to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And Jesus actually said that he hated the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. He didn't hate the Nicolaitans, but he hated the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Why? Because it led people astray. So the consensus of all the New Testament writers, when we read the Bible, when we read the New Testament, but what they came to by the Holy Spirit was that faith was to be accompanied by good works. Now, the reason this is important to understand is because this is in a, this whenever the writer of Hebrews begins to talk about repentance from dead works and then faith towards God, you've got to understand that faith and works are to actually work together. In other words, they work in tandem with each other. And we're gonna talk here in just a moment about the different kind of works that the Bible actually describes. But we have to understand that salvation, although it is by faith, by grace you are saved, through faith and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. It doesn't stop there. It says, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody say good works. And so what we see that in the word of God, what is taught to us is that just believing and confessing Jesus by itself, please hear I'm saying this, is not the indication that somebody is saved. And what James actually began to teach is that I'm going to show you my faith by how I am living, by my work. My works are going to indicate to everybody around that I am actually saved. Have you ever met people that say they're saved, but whenever you looked at their lifestyle, you go, mm, I'm not sure about that, right? Come on, how many of you be honest? You've looked at people and said, I'm not sure about that. And I understand that sanctification is a process. However, just because you believe and you confess, if you continue without any conscience whatsoever and without any repentance to live an ungodly lifestyle, to live in a manner that is unfitting before the Lord, I think you have every reason to actually go back to the altar once again and make sure that your calling and election is sure. Does everybody understand what I'm saying here? Because I'm telling you, when you get born again, there's going to be a change in you, all right? You may, every action may not change instantaneously, but I will tell you this much. There will be something on the inside of you. It's called the Spirit of God. It's called the recreated Spirit of man that if you do something wrong, something is going to convict you. 
And if there's no conviction whatsoever, then you have every reason to actually question, you know what, I need to get my heart right with God, amen? Now, I know that's not popular to say today because of, you know, one, the extreme grace message, and then also the once saved, always saved doctrine. Somebody asked me one time, do you believe once saved, always saved? Uh, and do you believe in eternal security? And I said, well, I believe in eternal security as long as you stay eternally secure in him. But you chose in and you can cho choose out. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And by the way, if you choose in, then it's gonna be reflected in your behavior. Amen? You should live like a believer. Don't just tell me you're a believer, show it, okay? Demonstrate it, you know? Uh, you ever heard this phrase, talk is cheap, right? Anybody can say anything today. And we see it all the time. We see television stars and music stars, I guess you, you know, what they would call them, that say that they're saved and, and say they're born again. And then the next thing you know, there's all kind of expletives coming out of their mouth. And, and then they're shacking up with people and doing all of these things. My friend, uh, that is not the example that anybody should be following, number one. And number two, I believe that whenever you get saved, there's something on... See. By the way, there's a great book about this called Next Level that's back there in the back. Can somebody go get me one of those books? I just want to, in case you've never read that, uh, you know, you need to read this book. But one of the things that we have to understand in the New Covenant, in the Old Testament, laws were written on tablets of stones and then they were imposed upon you. In the New Covenant, laws are written on the tablet of your heart so that then you live from the inside out. Are you following what I'm saying? So there's not law being imposed upon me. There's law that's living through me. Let me say it another way. I, I'm, I'm free from Mosaic law, but I am not free from the law that God has actually written on the inside of my heart, right? So guess what? I'm not going to steal from anybody. You know why? Because I got a law that's written on my heart. Now the commandments are written on my heart. It says don't steal, right? By the way, Paul actually says that. He said, let him who stole steal no more. That kind of sounds like thou shalt not steal to me. You know, let him who stole steal no more, Right? As a matter of fact, every one of the Ten Commandments are rearticulated in some manner or form within the New Testament. Okay? But I'm not living under a law that's being imposed. I'm living because there's a law that's written. I'm talking about the grace. See, this is the grace of God. The law is written on your heart. Yes. Amen? And by the way, if you haven't read this book, you need to get this book and read it. It'll really be a blessing to you. It's called Raising the Standard of Grace. And, uh, you know, there's way too many believers today that just live in a flippant lifestyle, flippant manner, and they just, uh, you know, they just do whatever they want to do. And my friend, that is not the way that God designed for you to live. And by the way, holiness is not determined necessarily by what you wear or whether or not you have a ring or earrings or how long or short your hair is. Or Y'all hear what I'm saying? You know, if you want to wear your hair real long, then God bless you. Praise the Lord. But don't condemn somebody because it has nothing to do with holiness whatsoever. I I've seen some people that, you know, never cut their hair, wear long dresses. And again, I'm, please understand, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. I've seen people that do all that, but they were full of hate. Holiness begins with walking in the love of God. Amen. You can't live holy outside of walking in love. Well, praise the Lord. So anyway, next level, raising the standard of grace. So grace, let me say it like this. Grace, the grace of God that came, again, we're talking about faith towards God. By grace, you are saved through faith. So what the writer is saying, you have to understand as an elementary principle, okay? 
You repent from dead works, but then faith towards God means this. Not only do you believe in him, but then you're going to walk right and you're going to talk right. Right? It's more than just believing. Faith involves doing something. James said that faith without, faith without is what? So don't tell me you're a believer. Don't tell me you're saved and then live like an infidel. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That means you're going you're gonna to act different. That means you're going to love the unlovely. Oh, y'all don't shout me down right now. We're going to love the unlovely. You know, for some reason, we feel like in Christianity, there's certain people that we're entitled to hate. Well, praise the Lord. People we don't agree with, and we're entitled to hate them. Well, praise the Lord. I just let that one sit and simmer right now. Next level. You need to get this book, need to read it. But you'll find out, does anybody not have this book? Who doesn't have this? Who doesn't have it that will read it? Does anybody not have it that will read it? Okay. Okay, whoever. You haven't, you haven't read this book yet? You read it? Okay. Oh, you're going to give it to somebody? Okay. Oh, you're going to go give it to somebody you feel like really needs it? Okay, all right. All right. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all give a big praise God for EMG. Amen. So anyway, are y'all getting anything out of this? I'm using the letter method tonight. Open her up and let her fly. But you know what? As Christians, we don't need to live like the world. We need to live a different lifestyle. Okay? We need to live a, a holy life before the Lord. And that means we're not going to steal, not going to lie, not going to talk bad about other people, right? We're going to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're even going to love the ungodly. When I read my Bible, John 3.16, this is a very, how many of you know John 3.16? It says, for God, so, whoa, 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 so loved what? God, you mean God actually loved the ungodly, stinking, thinking people? The people that were wrong on every level and on every area, and Jesus loved them? Well, do you think if God loved the world, do you, how many of you think that that wasn't just something for him to do, but that was an example for every single one of us to follow? Well, praise the Lord. Well, pastor, when you, you got to understand, well, look, truth is truth. And the word of God is the word of God. You know what? And we have to let, now I'm not saying that when people are wrong, we should, see, love does not mean that you accept and agree with behavior. Right? In other words, I could love somebody without accepting because there's people doing crazy things today. And we've talked a lot before here in this church and still continue to talk about because we have to shine the light on those things, right? How many know there is not 14 different genders? Okay. It says that God created them what? Male and female. There was two, right? Right? God created male and female. That's it. And by the way, he is the only creator. Anything else is a perversion. And a, are y'all following what I'm saying? And so, 
And uh, by the way, God did it right when he created you the way that he created you. All right? God created me a male, a male, a man, male, male man. Okay? <laughs> so, and God did it, I guess, I guess God, my wife told me she, God did it right. But anyway, and God created her a female, right? And God did it right. Praise the Lord. Amen. And God created where a man and a woman get together. Correct? Not a man and a man, not a woman and a woman. Okay? That's the way God did it. So we're going to preach truth. We don't compromise on truth. However, I'll still love somebody even if they're wrong. Because the only way they're ever going to get converted is if we actually, Jesus said that they would know that we belong to him, that they would know that we're believers because we have love one toward another, even whenever they're doing crazy stuff. You know, it took everything within my power to show some love to my brother-in-law because he was crazy. My brother-in-law was, he was crazy. <laughs> Did I tell you he was crazy? But anyway, he was crazy doing all kinds of stuff, living for the devil, totally possessed, totally blind, said, I'll never serve the God that you serve while he was, you know, engrossed in perverted lifestyle and drug addiction, alcoholism, and anything else that is imaginable. He was involved in it. But you know what? We had to move past what we saw in the natural and realize that there was a promise that God had left. And that is this. If you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that you and your entire house will be saved. They may be acting crazy right now, but you know what? We can love them and we can see God bring them in in Jesus' name. Amen. We have to learn that there's a difference. You don't have to accept and you don't have to approve of somebody's behavior in order to love them. God didn't approve of the world's behavior, but he loved us so much that he sent Jesus. God didn't approve of your behavior whenever, and your sin whenever you were totally engrossed in it. And some of you were really engrossed. Is there anybody here you were really engrossed in sin? I mean, you were really out there some of you, yeah, Jason, I know you were. I can look at you and tell. I'm telling you, that man was engrossed in sin, totally engrossed. And God looked down and said, you know what? I want him. I want him. I want him. And I'm going to send my son. Jesus is coming in order to pay the price because I will... Think about love. I, it blows my mind when I really just sit down and think about the love of God, that he would love us so much. Jesus would come and willingly give his life, not for righteous people, not for people that had everything going right, not for people that were thinking right, not for people that were believing right. The people, had, the people that had everything wrong, Jesus comes. And you need to thank God every day that God loved you so much. So you know what? It's really a small thing if we decide to love somebody who are just coming out of a situation that we once were engrossed in. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. 
I knew this is popular preaching today, and so I'm gonna, we were, thought we would preach that tonight. It's how to win friends and influence people. Amen. So by grace you're saved, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 8, 9 and 10. By grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not a work. So I want to make, make sure everybody understands works does not save you. No works will save you. The only work that saved you was the work that Jesus did on Calvary. That's what saved you, right? And then you believing and receiving that. For we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we see even here Paul. And Paul leans heavy on the grace side. You know, one of the reasons that Paul leaned heavy on the grace side, let me tell you why, is because he was actually a murderer. <laughs> Paul had done a lot of bad things. He, he was religious, but he was really bad. Paul was, had been trained in the law but he had actively persecuted and killed Christians. And so he recognized the grace of God is so great that God loved me, knocked me off my horse just so that I would come into the kingdom, so that I would become a part of his family. So he was always emphasizing the grace of God. But even in that, he also says this, in connection with grace and faith, he says that God prepared for us to walk in good works. So the plan of God is always that faith and works flow together. Can everybody say amen? Now, there are three kinds of works that the Bible refers to. I'm going to go quick. Number one is dead works. Dead works are basically the works of the law, lifeless works. It's the keeping of the law. Talking about Mosaic law, including sacrifices, feasts, rituals, holy days, certain special Sabbaths, and, and, and circumcision. The, that's dead works. Those things are meaningless now to us as born-again, spirit-filled believers. We cannot be justified through the keeping of sacrifices, through the keeping of feasts. By the way, Jesus was the one eternal sacrifice. He went in one time, he shed his blood one time, and it satisfied everything. Amen? Amen. So we understand that Keeping feasts and things like that, you know, if that in some way you're, you are celebrating it in relationship to what Jesus did, then that's fine. But I'm just saying that that by itself, that will not justify you or make you righteous. Is everybody understand that? So you're not justified through the keeping of all of the commandments and the rituals. These are the works in the first foundational truth that is specifically spoken of that we are to repent from, to turn away from, and to begin to think differently about. That does not save you, and that is not what keeps you in covenant, amen? There's only one thing that keeps you in covenant, and that's what brought you into covenant, and that is the blood of Jesus. That is, we, we are a part of a blood covenant, amen? that's been actually ratified by the very blood of Jesus. The second kind of works is the works of the flesh. And we see that over in Galatians 5, verses 18 through 20. And these are works also equally that we should repent of, turn away from. And you could, I think most of you have read over there before, and I, I won't take time to read it tonight, but what Paul specifically spoke of as the works of the flesh. Again, these are also connected to dead works. They are that which produces destruction. They produce death in the lives of those who begin to practice. It is sinful activity that results in destruction 
Paul said this, and he's speaking to the church at Galatia. These are Christians. And he said this, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap what? You'll reap corruption, right? If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. Again, that is spoken specifically to believers. So we have to understand if we sow to the flesh, live a fleshly lifestyle, then we are going to end up reaping corruption. That's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God for our lives. But it is the result of not obeying and doing what he has commanded us to do. The next kind of work, which is, uh, is the kind of works that we need to embrace that faith is to flow with is what we call good works. Now, Jesus said this, Jesus said that we were to have good works. Do you believe that if Jesus said we should have good works, then we ought to have some good works. Do you believe that? As a matter of fact, he said, whenever people see your good works, they will glorify the father in heaven. So if you want to give glory to God, you need to actually be manifesting some good works. Amen? You need to be loving other people. You need to be preferring other people. You need to be kind to others. Right? I tell you, I have been with some ministers before, even in a restaurant, and I was so embarrassed I wanted to walk out because of the rudeness. By the way, an anointing and being a believer and having authority does not give you the right to be rude and obnoxious to other people, amen? As a matter of fact, whenever, because you're a believer, you ought to be the kindest. You ought to be the most mannerly. And as a matter of fact, you ought to also leave the biggest tip. Can all the waitresses say amen? And all the waiters. Well, praise God. I'm hitting all the right notes tonight. You know, one of the ways I think sometimes we think generosity is just expressing what we give in church, and, and it is, but it's not the only place. Generosity is a lifestyle that you live, right? Now, we've been to restaurants before. And I'm sure all of you, have you ever been to a restaurant and got bad service? And uh, Stacy and I have been out before and I said, that's it. <laughs> no tip. No tip. That's it. I'm not, that, that service is so bad. They don't deserve anything. And you know what she says? Not what I want to hear because she doesn't come into agreement with my stupidity at that moment. She doesn't say, you're right, Robert. I'm on board with you. You know what she says? You gotta remember who you are. You gotta remember who you are. You gotta remember who you're representing, okay? And you don't know what that person has actually been through I remember us being out of town one time. We were in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was probably some of the worst service that I ever got before. Oh, really? You just told this story? Well, you didn't tell me this. We, we just flowing together. Okay. I had no idea. Anyway, but there was only a, there's probably about 20 ladies there, but so for all the rest of you, they weren't there. But anyway, I, I, the service was so bad. I said, that's it. I had one of my moments. <laughs> I said, no tip. It's it. I, 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 I'm going to pay the bill and that's it. I'm out of here. And you know what? 
And she said the same thing. You got to remember who you are. Got to remember who you represent. You don't know what all she, she might have had a bad day. I said, and I thought, you know what? You're right. And you know what we ended up doing? We ended up ministering to that waitress. We ended up praying for that waitress. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so that's the reason we have to go the extra mile. See, that's what Jesus said when we talked about going the extra mile. I, I'm going I'm to go above and beyond the call of duty. Okay? Are y'all getting anything out of this? I'm coming, into, I'm coming to a close, I promise. Okay? Another 30 minutes, I'll be at my second close. But anyway, no, not really. I promise you. But understand this. Good works is referred to repeatedly in the New Testament by Jesus, by Paul, by Peter, and by James specifically. James has a lot to say about it. This also involves not just how you live your life, but also the ministry of the Spirit, ministering to others. We are commanded. Look at somebody say commanded. We're commanded to have good works. Faith is always designed to operate with good works. Faith is expressed through good works, not just believing and not just confessing your healing and not just confessing your prosperity. Confess your prosperity to the cows, come, go home, okay? Come home, whatever. But the reality is if you're living a rude lifestyle and you're being mean to other people, living hateful, talking bad about people all the time, the Bible says faith works by, everybody say love. So it says faith works by love. Faith works by love, amen? You gotta be walking in the love of God. Amen. I go, whenever you go home tonight, read, because I'm going to close, read James 2, 14 through 26. Basically what it says is faith without works is dead. And by the way, dead things stink. James repeatedly emphasizes the importance of works and how faith is incomplete. You see, whenever the writer of Hebrews talks about faith towards God, he recognizes that faith is incomplete without works. Faith is more than just believing Faith is a lifestyle, and it is exemplified through good works that we as believers begin to show forth. Amen? Which means this, you can't live like the devil and be walking in faith at the same time. No, you can't do it. You just cannot do it. Okay? James emphasizes that justification by faith does not negate the necessity for works of righteousness. James says that true heart faith will result in good works. Works are our faith in manifestation. The greatest manifestation of our faith, hear this, is not the car that we drive. It's not the house that we live in. It's not the size of our bank account. It's our works that bear witness of our faith that we possess. We're going to, listen, as a foundational doctrine, we understand the necessity of believing, but it must be married to a lifestyle that says, I'm a believer and I'm going to do what is right, and I'm going to live in the right way before God. I'm going to live a holy life before God. Would you stand to your feet? Amen. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Oh, there's so, there's so much more that I could say. I've had to skip over a lot, but uh, you, we could go a long time. If you don't have the book, uh, Next Level, I'd encourage you to get that book and read it. You can read it in a week. Just read, read, read two chapters a day, and you'll be you read it in one week. Two chapters a day, and you'll read it in a week. And I'll tell you, it really will make a difference in your perspective. It'll make a difference in the way that you live. 
And as a matter of fact, I was on I don't know how many of Sid Roth. After I wrote the book, Sid got a copy of it and said, I want to have you out. We did a, they did a TV show, one of his TV shows. And that's that's back 2012, 2013 sometimes, so it's been 10 years ago. But uh, anyway, it was on his show with that. But the only thing I'm saying is, I believe that it's something that the Holy Spirit was birthing, particularly by, back then, but it's still a relevant message right now that we need to grab hold of. And being a believer doesn't just mean that we live however we want to live, act however we want to act, and do whatever we want to do. We got to live holy before the Lord, and we got to walk in obedience. Amen. That's true faith towards God. Amen. So can you lift your hands right there where you're at? And I want you to pray this with me right now. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that it empowers me to live right, to walk right, to do what is right, what is pleasing in your sight. I'm not here to please man or please myself. I make a choice to please you, to do what is right in your sight. I thank you, Lord, that you empower me to live holy. You empower me to live right. And I give you glory and I give you praise. I ask that good works would be manifest in my life, that the Father would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give the Lord a praise tonight? Give him a praise. Praise God. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.